successful people. And I want to talk with successful people. When we have our life, when our lives were empty of the things like the house and the car, the business, money, the high power career, clothes, I believe it was easier for us to give to God because we had nothing. But sometimes the greatest enemy we have to conquer is after we've been blessed and we have to conquer our stuff. And the things that begin to crowd our lives and overcrowd our life and choke out what really matters. The things and the lust of things can choke out God's word and God's power. And many times, the challenge is not always the absence of opportunity, but sometimes it's the abundance of opportunity. God has a destiny for all of us. And sometimes our stuff can cause us to lose sight of God's plan and God's purpose for our life. And believe me, this world, it competes for our talents, it competes for our time, it competes for our gifts. So today, we're going to read about the life of a young man who faced the same dilemma that we have all faced at one time or another. The scripture that I'm going to use this morning to talk about what's in our bag is Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. It's not a long passage of scripture, but I believe it's enough for us to be able to see ourselves. The scripture reads thusly. It says, And as Jesus was set, setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Can you guys see the commandments up there? Read them with me. Do not what? Murder. Do not what? Do not what? Do not what? Do not what? Fraud and honor your father and mother. And he said unto him, Teacher, all of these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven. And come follow me. Yes. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Just as you have spoken to me, God, I ask that you would speak through me. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would save somebody today, Lord. Touch somebody today. Lord, we pray that the, you would turn the ground up in the lives of our hearts so that when the seeds fall, they'll take root. And we believe today, Lord, that your word will not return void. 
We thank you, Holy Spirit, and we ask you to bless this time and let the words of my mouth, God, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. It is generally true, it is usually true, that things come easy for the wealthy. We know that money opens doors. It opens doors for education. It opens doors for health care, travel, pleasure. It opens doors for giving. Almost every area of our life is lubricated with a certain amount of cash. And money is regarded as the universal passport to everywhere. In this story, which you can find also in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, we discover that there is one door that's not open to this individual, even though he possesses wealth. And what I find interesting about this story is Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's fully aware of what's going to happen to him in a, in a matter of days. And we can see a contrast here. Jesus is walking to his destiny of eternal life. And you can have this young rich ruler running to Jesus looking for eternal life. That's a divine appointment. Yeah. This young man came to the right person at the right time. He came in the right manner. He ran and knelt before him, falling at Jesus' feet, begging for help. He didn't come to be cured of some physical illness. He didn't come to be delivered from a demon. But he comes for a different reason. He comes with the question, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's an evangelist dream moment. How many times do you ever get somebody to walk up to you and say, how can I get eternal life? How can I be born again? This is an appointed time for this young man. See, he's looking for a quality of life that his money or his power position hasn't brought him. Now, let's get something understood about money. Money is not good and money is not bad. Money is neutral. Money goes where we send it and it buys what we purchase. In this story, money is not evil. It's just a neutral item in the story. God has blessed this young rich ruler far above and beyond what he, we could ever dream or imagine. And based on the reading, he hasn't been in and out of jail. He's lived a clean life because that's his testimony. And yet, something is missing. He's not satisfied and he comes to Jesus looking for answers. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that what does Jesus do? He points him to the law. He points him to the law. Can the law save us? How does the law impact us then? Well, the law shows us our sins. It's like a mirror. You can look in the mirror, and the mirror can tell you whether or not your face is clean. But the mirror's has no power to clean your face. It's not his job. And so it is with the law. Yeah. The law points out our defects and it condemns us, but it has no power to save us. 
we come to Christ, we can only come to him for a pardon. Jesus has put the mirror in this young man's face. Perhaps we know someone like the young rich ruler. What I'm about to say, I want you to understand and recognize it for what it is. There are people going through life pursuing that something. That's something they feel they're missing in their life. They're not happy. They have tried many things. Perhaps they've had major career positions, outstanding careers, but still there's something missing. And many of them thought, okay, if I just hang out with more friends and go to more parties and maybe that'll just satisfy that empty, that empty hole in me, that void that's in my life. And maybe if I get more connected to social media because I can have more friends and, and I post things and become more popular, that'll fill that empty hole in my life. If I travel more and purchase brand name clothes and, and have more relationships, and maybe, just maybe, if I get a larger house, that, that's going to fill that void in my life. Like all of us, we probably have figured out those tangible things aren't satisfying that inside, that deep longing, that desire in us. It's not satisfying us. We can try everything the world offers us, but every time we're going to fall short. Yeah. And after a while, we become dissatisfied because you know why we become dissatisfied? Because this world is not our final destination. This world is only a dot. And what we have to live for is the line, because the line is eternity. And you can fill every spiritual void with material things. But what our real need is, our real need for spiritual peace can only come through Jesus. And like the young rich ruler, Many of us are sad, we're lonely, and we're looking for something. We try all sorts of things because there's a longing inside of us. But I want to tell you, you can travel the world and still not find it. Because we think just because we have a bag of success, joy does not come, the, the, the joy, the fruit of the Spirit, let me, let, me, let me just stop here. Because joy is not the fruit of our success. It's the joy, it's the fruit of the spirit. We can have as much success as we want to have, but that's not going to fill us. The scripture says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And sometimes we look for other places to feel that peace, that joy in our life. But they're only counterfeits. They can't do it. No matter how much we try. No matter how many Lamborghinis we look at. No matter how many fast running Fords, Mustangs. It don't matter. Why do we want so much of the world? Because we're bent towards sin. We're sinners. We do things wrong. We feel guilty. And the only answer, our only help is Jesus. 
The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. This rich man, he came to Jesus. He was humble. He was concerned about where he was going to spend eternity. He was just a, a good all-around person. He had the life that many people want. He was young, he was rich, and he, was over, he had some type of control over something. He was a nice guy. He's the type of person that you want to invite to your house for dinner. People like them. If he has all of this going for him, all of the success going for him, why does his story end with sadness instead of joy? I'm going to tell you why. Because Jesus, when he went to Jesus, Jesus was not interested in making this young man feel good about himself. He told him the truth. Jesus wasn't changing his standard of what it means to follow him. You see, eternal life is not hinged on our goodness. It's not hinged on our success. And this young man, he wanted what we all want. We want Jesus, but we want to keep our baggage. We want to keep our stuff. We want Jesus on our terms, and it doesn't work like that. He went away sad because Jesus put his finger on the situation in his life, and he told him how to fix it. He came to Jesus with a problem. Jesus tells him how to fix the problem, but he doesn't want to go through the process. You see, some people, they come to church and they think the church is after your money, just like this young man. Jesus wasn't after his money. The Bible says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. He owns it. He has a cattle on a thousand hills is what the scripture says. He wasn't after his money. Jesus wanted his young man's heart. The young rich ruler, he had a wonderful portfolio, but he couldn't release it. He couldn't release it. And the sad part, he, he, he forgot who had given him this abundant wealth, that God had given him all that he had. He had a relationship with his money. He had a relationship with his success. And God was calling him to have a relationship with him. But his stuff had him. These earthly riches that we have... God only loans them to us for just for a short period of time. And then he comes back and repossesses them. You know why? Because we don't need them anymore. The young rich ruler had lost sight of what it really, what he really thought he owned. He thought he owned the money. But now the money owns him. And think about how many people start a business. They start it, they own it, they put a lot of time into it, they work. And then they look up one day and the business is their life. And they don't have time for family, they don't have time for God. And what they used to own, a business, guess what? The business now owns them. You see, our lives can become so crowded with stuff with things. 
And sometimes the baggage in our lives can crowd out the presence of God's. The success in our life can crowd out God's presence. Maybe the baggage that's crowding out God is depression. Maybe the baggage that's crowding out God are the hurts and disappointments. And maybe it's the excess baggage of the unhealthy relationships that we participate in. Where people come and they hurt us, they use us, but we don't have the strength or the ability to walk away from it. And it's those unhealthy relationships that hurt people and cause them to have distrust for other people. It could have been a friend that hurt you or an ex-spouse that betrayed you. But now you're carrying that excess baggage. And some of us, we carry baggage of grudges. People that we've been mad with for years or days or weeks. Some people get caught up in this, in the anger and the, that becomes the control of their life. And sometimes the bags get so heavy, it's like we're carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders. It's because of the length of the time that we've been carrying them. For years, we've carried years of mistakes. We've carried years of hurt. We've carried years of pain. We've carried years of bad choices and guilt. And don't forget the secret stuff. I forgot to show you the secret compartment in the bag where we carry stuff. Things that we don't want people to know about. That's in our bag of success. And some of those secrets can be addiction. We can be addicted to gambling. We have to buy those scratch-offs, they call them. Spending money on that. And sometimes we're addicted to porn. We don't have to go to, the, to the, those X, X, uh, uh, places anymore. We can pull it up on our phone because we have the latest technology. And some of us, we, we're addicted to the marijuana. We have to smoke a little weed from time to time. But that's our secret. And we're addicted to the internet. It has become our passion. And it's in, we've made it a life of enjoying, of posting inappropriate things, inappropriate comments, inappropriate pictures. And nobody knows that we have, we're suffering from pain and we're addicted to painkillers because we have that in our bag of success. And those are the secrets in our bags and that's the stuff that we're holding on to. But all these bags are costly. They cost us. And if you've ever flown gone anywhere, whether it's uh, locally or international, one of the questions they ask before you get on the plane is that, do you have excess baggage? That's what they ask. Why do they ask that? Because if you got excess baggage, guess what? You gonna pay. You gonna pay before you put that, plane, that bag on that plane. And so it is in the kingdom world. It's gonna cost us to travel with excess baggage. 
It weighs us down. Excess baggage is going to determine just how far we travel. It can cause us to miss God, to miss the blessings that God has for us. If I just want to say one encouraging word today, let's unpack all the baggage that we're hiding. Let's unpack it. Because God has a vision for our life. And whether you believe it or not, that vision is not the television. He has a vision and a purpose for us that we haven't even tapped into. I want to use the scripture this morning in the book of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10. Just a couple of lines. It's verses 22-23. Samuel, not Samuel, Saul had been appointed king and he had been anointed by Samuel and so they, the people were ready to make the announcement about Saul's appointment but there was a problem the problem was they couldn't find him they couldn't find him and the people were saying where is Saul is he here and the scripture says that the Lord spoke he says the Lord said yeah he's here He's over there hiding in the baggage. You see, Saul had baggage, and his baggage was insecurity, inferiority. Even though he was tall in stature and a head taller than everybody else. See, Saul thought that his family wasn't worthy for this position. And because of that, he had problems trusting Jesus, trusting God in everything he did. Saul would do it his way. Whatever God told him to do, Saul would do it his way. He put his own strength before God, and that led to his demise of his kingdom. You see, our lives can become so crowded that we miss the seas, we miss the blessing, we miss the anointing, we miss the deliverance. And some of you this morning, you may be saying in your own life, what happened to my joy? Some of you may be saying, I remember how I used to spend time with God, how I would read his Bible. I want to, but I just don't have time anymore. Because stuff in our lives can crowd out that part of our relationship with the Lord. Some of you are saying, I used to be able to hear God. I used to be able to hear his voice. I used to be able to hear him speaking to me. But I can't anymore. What has crowded out God's voice? The rich man had a problem. He got counseling. But the problem was he wouldn't follow the prescription. And how many of us have gone to counseling? to get help concerning mess and baggage in our lives. We get the information, how to be delivered, how to be set free, what we need to give up, and yet our behavior doesn't change. We leave the office whether it be the pastor's office or the counseling office, we leave the office with no plan to repent. 
no desire to turn things around. Some of you are having the same problem with some of your children. You tell them what to do, you say, look, you need to do this, this, and this, and they do the opposite. We continue doing what we've done before, and no change takes place, and you can't understand why. I think everybody knows the definition of insanity. We're just like the young rich ruler. He didn't want to go through the process. This story is not about money. It's about a heart toward God. Amen. It's about repenting. It's about turning our lives around for Jesus. When we repent, we let go of the excess bags. And that's when the gospel of Jesus Christ can take root in our lives and begin to produce the fruit. The sad part about the gospel is that so many people won't be able to, it's not that they want to hear the gospel, so many people will be left out of heaven because, not because they didn't hear the message, but because they neglected the message. They wouldn't receive it. They would not accept the pardon that had been provided, the forgiveness Jesus provided through his death on the cross. Many times people have their own plans. Uh, I'm going to get saved. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm do this, but I'm going to do it in my time. People have their own plans when they're going to make their own changes. And people will say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And they live by their own rules. See, rules and laws are clear. It's a clear understanding what happens when we break, when we break the law. The, when, we, when there's a crime is committed, the person is apprehended. They're tried. They go on trial. They're, if they're convicted, then they have to pay a debt to society. But what many people need in their life, regardless of the crime, they need forgiveness. And forgiveness comes through repentance. Yeah. I want to tell you about a story about a, man, about, a, about a man named George Wilson. George Wilson was a convicted robber of the U.S. mail. He was put, uh, put in the life of the people that he robbed in danger, the mail carriers. He was putting their life in danger. And they found him guilty. He had a partner in crime by the name of James Parter. And the court sentenced George Wilson and James Parter to death. Parter, James Parter, was hung. George Wilson had friends that was advocating on his behalf to, for him to go free. And the, they took it to the president. The president listened to him and decided to give him a pardon. But there was a sad ending to this story. He got the pardon, but he refused to take it. And the Smithsonian newsletter says, in the end, George Wilson was hung. The Bible says that Jesus looked at the young rich ruler with love.
And he offered him an olive branch, but he refused it. We want forgiveness. And forgiveness is not pretending that sin didn't happen or pretending that we didn't see the crime. Forgiveness is not passive. Forgiveness is not indifferent. But I got good news for you this morning. I want to tell you how you can get forgiveness. We can have forgiveness, but forgiveness comes with a price. Forgiveness is offered to everyone, but the offer comes with some terms. Forgiveness comes with a condition that those who turn from their sins and place their personal trust in Jesus Christ will experience the forgiveness of God. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen? Only, he is the only one, Jesus is the only one that can deliver us from being, from, from guilt. He can, he's the only one that can bring us out of bondage. He's the only one that can fill that void in our lives. He's the only one that can deliver us from the penalty of eternal death. He's the only one. Whatever this world is offering is just a counterfeit. It's just a temporary solution. Success is wonderful. Go for it. But to remember, it's not the end of the world. Success is not the end. Jesus is. How can we get eternal life? Well, if you will put the scripture John 10, 20, John chapter 10, verses 27 to 28. Okay, let's read that together. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them what? Eternal life. And they shall never, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.